0: The Guardian.
1: Welcome to Science Weekly. If you've been tuning into the podcast over the last couple of months, you'll know we've been delving into the science behind the COVID-19 outbreak. If you haven't heard those episodes, I really recommend going back to listen. But whilst we're exploring some of the most pressing questions surrounding the virus, We don't want to miss out on all the other incredible science that's happening. And from your emails, it seems you don't either. It's been great to hear you've enjoyed a bit of scientific escapism as much as we have. This week, we're looking at moody teenagers, but not the human ones. I'm Nicola Davis, and this is Science Weekly.
0: Puppies go through what we call a sensitive period um, and this is quite early on in their life and that sensitive period has an impact on the whole of the rest of their life.
1: That's Lucy Asher, Senior Lecturer in the School of Natural and Environmental Sciences at Newcastle University. Lucy studies behaviour patterns primarily in chickens and humans' best friends, dogs. Lucy, you've been studying the behaviour of adolescent would-be guide dogs, which sounds like one of the most fun uh, research topics you could possibly choose. Just tell me, what do we mean by adolescent dogs? What kind of age are we talking about here?
0: In the breeds we studied... We believe adolescence starts around six months of age. So we start to see changes in behaviour around that time. And it seems to start to improve around 12 months of age. Now, as you said, this is studying guide dogs. So we're looking at Labrador Retrievers, at Golden Retrievers, German Shepherd dogs and crosses of those. So it could be different in different breeds of dog.
1: And what do we mean by adolescence in dogs? So is, is adolescence sort of something that happens to all animals?
0: Adolescence is something that we know to happen in all mammals, at least. And it is this period of time where we change from a juvenile to an adult. So we know that the brain actually remodels itself. So there are physical changes in the brain that happen between being a juvenile and being an adult. Um, We know that there's lots of changes in terms of reproduction and the hormonal changes that go with that. So we know there are these physical changes. Why did you want to start looking
1: at behaviour?
0: What we knew is that a lot of... Dog trainers had previously reported this change in behaviour around the age of adolescence, but we didn't have any proper evidence to support it. And working with guide dogs, a lot of their focus is how can we better understand behaviour in order to provide better for dogs that can train the blind or partially sighted guide dog owners. So they need to understand behaviour from a very practical point of view. And this was an under-researched time of life. There's very little done on the adolescent phase across lots of different species, but almost nothing had been done in dogs. So how do you go about looking at this? So we were trying to understand specifically if there was um, adolescent phase behaviour. So this is changes in behaviour that occur around adolescence. And in people, we knew that there was this low-level conflict behaviour that happens between parents and their teenage or adolescent children. So we looked for something analogous to this kind of conflict-like behaviour, which is generally ignoring your parents, those kinds of uh, behaviours. So we started with looking at dogs, to their responses to training. One of the commands that we were particularly interested in was the sit command and that's because it's the first command that you're training a dog. So when we were able to study before adolescence, we were able to see that there's a before, during and after effect of adolescence on this command because you can see it so early on. Okay, sit. Sit. Good girl. So we are able to study that command and then we were able to look more generally at responses to training and we do this using questionnaires. Now these aren't just any old questionnaires, these are questionnaires that we have very carefully validated over a number of years against observations of behaviour. So we know they're measuring what we think they're measuring um, and we're able to use those to reach a bigger population of dogs.
1: And so with the, with the dogs that are sitting, hopefully, if they're well-behaved in front of you, what did you find?
0: So we found that dogs' obedience was reduced around the time of, of adolescence or puberty. Before puberty, at five months, we find dogs respond to the SIT command if we focus on on that response. At eight months, it's reduced. And then if we look at the questionnaire data, we find the same uh, effect so at five months, dogs are rated by their caregivers as quite trainable. And then around eight months, that reduces. So they're not as trainable. And it pops back up, it bounces back up um, to the levels we see before around 12 months. That's very interesting because we find this specifically in response to the person who's caring for the dog. But their response to a stranger or another trainer is very different. So they do tend to be more responsive, even during adolescence. To a trainer or a stranger, whereas for their uh, caregiver, they're less responsive during adolescence.
1: So there is a sort of parallel there, almost with with uh, human teenagers, about kicking back against your immediate carers rather than necessarily everybody.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, you hear anecdotes, don't you, about people who who have real difficulties with their children at home, and they go to parents' evening, and they and the teachers say, "Oh, they're fa- they're fantastic." Um, so you definitely do do hear. A- anecdotes of, of that in um, human teenagers too uh, and that there's some scientific evidence to support that as well. Lucy you also looked at the links
1: to securities so how secure the dog was in their bond to their carer can you just tell me what we mean by these secure and insecure attachments what, what does that mean?
0: Dogs form attachments to their owners and anybody who's owned a dog would attest to that Some dogs will be more insecure in that attachment. Those tend to be the dogs that are more clingy, that are more distressed by you being separated, that are more wary of strangers. Those kinds of collection of things indicate to us that dog has a less secure attachment. Whereas a dog that has a secure attachment, it knows, if you like, that when you go away, you'll come back. So it feels comfortable that you will return. They're not worried about you leaving them. That's kind of a collection of traits we're looking at in a secure attached dog. And how is
1: this linked to their teenage behaviour, if we like, their, their adolescent behaviour, to be a bit more precise?
0: Now, what we find is that those dogs that have the insecure attachment, so the ones that we might call clingy, um, those dogs are the ones that seem to have more problems during adolescence. So that effect we found is more extreme in the clingy dogs um and we think that that's that's particularly interesting because there's this idea in in humans at least that during teen those teenage years during the adolescent phase that really there's this conflict behavior helps to re-establish the relationship between parents or parental figures and their children now if the same is true in dogs then this we might expect to see this effect that we found where the clingy dogs are those who are seeking to re-establish, to reconnect with their owner, to make sure that there is still that attachment there.
1: So in a way they're kind of pushing the boundaries to test how much does their owner really love them? A little bit like teenagers kind of pushing it with their parents to be reassured that, you know, that their parents are there for them. Is that is that what you're sort of guessing or hypothesising, I should say? <laughs>
0: That is our hypothesis. I mean, obviously, the, the, a lot of the studies that we do, um, we're, we're basing on correlation. So we, we don't necessarily know cause and effect. But it's definitely the finding from the human science that we see the same effect in the dogs. And we have no reason to suggest that the reasons might be different in humans and dogs. In animal behaviour, we spend a long time worrying about what we call anthropomorphism. So this idea that we take human traits and human feelings and emotions and we put those, impose those on animals. So we spend a long time worrying about those things. And what we do is we try and use evidence to understand where those parallels exist and don't exist, so the limitations of them. In dogs, we know that there are uh, shared mechanisms in terms of bonding between dogs and their owners as there are between children and uh, their parents. So for example there's this hormone called oxytocin and oxytocin is that wonderful hormone that when you look at your newborn baby you just feel that surge of love. Now in dogs when you stroke your dog, you get that surge of oxytocin. So they are using those kind of similar mechanisms for bonding. So we're able to use science to to empirically test where those parallels are and where the limitations of those parallels are, where they stop.
1: So Lucy, how should we be treating our dogs during their adolescent phase? Should we give them more space and leeway or <laughs> should we be sending them to their basket without any biscuits? <laughs> how, how do we... How do we, uh, you know, try to help our dogs through their turbulent adolescent phase? Yeah.
0: Well, so what we know generally about dog training is that rewards are much more effective than punishment. And what I would say is that if we can keep using rewards, rewarding the good behaviour, continuing to be consistent and patient and recognise that it is just a passing phase, that perhaps it's, it's an easier way to get through it. You know, it's, it's going to be that kind of phase of we're going to have to get through, we're going to have to grin and bear our teeth while there's this difficult phase. I would urge people not to punish their dog because that tends to be not effective anyway and can have negative consequences. It can lead to development of other negative behaviour. So generally we say be consistent, be patient and know that it's just a passing phase. Stay. Good girl, good girl. Wait. Be free.
1: Special thanks to Lucy for joining me this week. And also, thanks for your support as listeners. Here at The Guardian, we believe that open journalism connects us and brings us together when we need it the most. It arms us with facts and helps us to imagine a better tomorrow. But today, our advertising revenue and newspaper sales are falling, which means we need your support to make sure that our open journalism stays open. Visit gu.com forward slash support podcasts. We'll be back next week with our COVID-19 specials and another anything but episode. And until then, stay safe, stay healthy and please stay inside where you can. For more great podcasts from The Guardian... Just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.